Hey guys, it's Angie here from Money in the Bank. If you've been listening for the past few weeks, you know that this is episode number 50 for us, and we were really excited to do a $50 giveaway for episode 50. So without further ado, I wanted to announce the winner of the contest. The winner goes to Becca in Houston. Becca was super sweet. She emailed me and she said that since starting to listen to the podcast about a year ago, it motivated her to kill the remainder of her student loan balance, which is super awesome. And she actually emailed five different friends about our podcast, and it was really cute because she put in an episode specifically for each friend, so kind of tailored to what she thinks they would like. So hopefully one of Becca's friends is listening as well. Hi, Becca's friends. Um, We're excited to have them on board as listeners and excited to keep bringing you more content. So thanks, everybody, for playing along. And Becca, I will be reaching out via email to get you your $50. In the bank. Hey Brett, how's it going? Good, Ange. How are you? Pretty good. Well, that means it's another episode of Money in the Bank, the podcast where we talk about all things personal finance related. So this is number 50. We made it. Made it. Made it hit our goal and we're excited to do another 50. Right? Yeah. We're ready to move on from this point. So I've heard that of- if you if you make it to 50, go make it to 100. It should be easy because we've got a lot of topics that we've come up with and I don't think we've scratched the surface of half of them. Exactly. I'm Yeah, I'm really excited about the future and there's so many things that we've done that we're like, you know what, we want to talk about this some more or in a different way or or we recorded some of these episodes a year ago and we're always constantly learning. So there's certain ones that I want to revisit, even like our budget series and just talk about how we've kind of evolved in how we budget and plan. So Lots more on the horizon, but today we kind of wanted to do our top 10 tips. So if you take away anything from our podcast, this is what we want you to take away. That's right. Okay, number one. Compound interest. Oh my gosh, yeah. If we've we've had a theme through, you know, a lot of these uh, podcasts that we've done, it's the power of compound interest is like the most powerful tool you have at your disposal for Anything related to money or finance. Yeah, and I doubt anybody is surprised because everybody at this point probably knows that I think compound interest is literally the best thing in the world. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's a, it's the beauty of your money will work harder than you. So I always think of them as like little green men that go to work for me, like my little dollars, you know, sitting in my investment accounts, working hard every day to like mine more money for me. Right. Um, it's, it's a cool concept for kids, right? It's like, take this $10 and this $10 in like a few years is going to turn into more money, right? By doing these things, right? That's a cool concept to portray. But when you're an adult, it's more important because like you take all this larger money that you're now making on a regular basis, not just your allowance, and turn that into a ton of more money, you know, over the next 50 years. And then you can live off that for their, for our, you do live off that for the rest of your life. That's what retirement is, right? Exactly. Well, and I think You know, we can't talk about compound interest without mentioning the fact that it only works if you set it and forget it. So find a quality mutual fund, put your money in that on a consistent basis. So every paycheck put in $25 to $50 or, you know, through your 401k contributions, whatever it may be. But then just leave it alone. Don't pull it out because the market drops, right? Don't panic and sell it all. Right. Don't even watch the market, right? If you're not planning to pull it out because it's part of your plan, then 
you don't need it doesn't matter what happens to it right it can go up and down and up and down and back and forth and the little minor guys are just going to keep chipping away at it It doesn't matter like how much they chip away it's just going to be more and more so just leave it leave it be and don't get don't get antsy exactly all right number two well this is like your favorite so number one was probably my favorite number two is your favorite opportunity cost yeah that's what i would have guessed all right opportunity cost that's right (laughs) Is, it, is this thing worth, uh, you know, how many cheeseburgers to me, right? As we've yeah. talked about in a couple episodes. Well, and I think, you know, the big lesson I have for people on this one is you can have, have whatever you want, but you can't have everything you want. So if you really want that big fancy house, then you don't also get like the brand new car every year and to go on a really nice vacation every year and to eat, you know, go out to eat every single day. Like choo- you choose two, right? Right. And or or you choose all those things, but you choose to work forever. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is not what this podcast is about. So like if that's <laughs> you, you're not listening, right? <laughs> but if you like want to be financially independent one day and you want to be able to quit working or or not even quit working, but maybe you want to save for bigger long term goals. I mean, that's something we've talked about too. Like it's not like we're only here talking to people who want to like save up all this money and then retire. It's like or if you want to be able to put away $100,000 to buy a nicer house in the future, like then you have to make sacrifices now, right? Mm-hmm. But like as somebody who's done this successfully for many years now, it is always worth it when I get the things I want. Delayed gratification is so much better than instant gratification. Like no amount of coffee that I consume in the morning is like better to me than like, you know, Talking to you right now from from the comfort of my own home that I purchased, you know. Right and right, yeah. Not not having a coffee every day for a whole year turns into, uh, you know, thousands of dollars, right? Right. So you know, is it is it better to have that thousand that whatever that item is that was worth a thousand dollars, or was it better to have that coffee every day? Well, and I think we even analyze that. Yeah, like Brett just described. You know, we'll talk about something, and I'll be like, oh well, it's twenty dollars, and Brett will just be like, well, I'd rather have the twenty dollars then. And we don't buy whatever that item is because mm-hmm. we're like, nope, we'd rather, you know, put those workers back right. to compound interest. That's my favorite <laughs> Simpsons quote, right? I'd be happier with the dollar. Yeah. Right? Would you, would you, for one dollar, you could have eternal happiness. And no, he says, I'd be happier with the dollar. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, so we've covered opportunity cost. Uh, number three, this is kind of like our family motto. Stick to the plan. Yep. And whether this is a complicated answer, but it means develop a plan, you know, be aligned to that plan, have everybody agree that that's like the direction you want to head head toward and, you know, stick as closely to that as possible until that plan changes. Right. Right. And we have admitted um, and we are always willing to talk about our plan doesn't just stay the same. It's not like we set a plan seven years ago for our life and it's come anywhere close. Right. Our plan is constantly evolving and changing. But I think the big thing here is every time we have a big life decision to make, we put a lot of thought and a lot of research into it. And potentially not even really a big life decision. Sometimes when we're like, should we buy this thing for $5? We put a lot of thought and a lot of research <laughs> into it. But the the big thing with sticking to a plan implies that you have created a plan and you have really thought about things. So you're not just 
reacting all the time. You're taking time to stop and think, which is really important. Right. And you're applying those lessons for like opportunity cost, right? Because we we changed our plan. Like we didn't start out when we met each other. And, you know, in the first couple of years to, to do real estate like that became a thing later on in our in our relationship. Right. We're like, OK, we're going to now do real estate. What does that mean for us? What does that look like? What do we need to learn to be able to do that effectively? And what are we going to have to give up with our opportunity cost that we're going to now invest in real estate, which is, you know, we had different plans for that money before. Right. right? For all that other income we were going to get. So what are we taking off the table to now be able to do real estate investment and buy properties and do property management and flip houses and whatever we want to do in that area? Right. Because there is always a sacrifice. You know, I think whenever people see successful people, they're like, well, I want that. But what you don't see is all of the stuff that was given up to get there. Right. Right. Mm hmm. All right, so then number four, kind of going along the lines of doing research, buy the right thing. So what we mean by this is literally anytime we make a purchase, we do the research and we buy it because it's something that we specifically have decided we want, not because it's something that marketing is telling us to buy. Right. Nobody, I didn't see it in a pamphlet or a commercial or, I mean, we, we're at the point where we don't even see commercials at all anymore, anywhere in our life, which is amazing. If you're, if you're not at that point, try and get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like a whole new world. But right, we, we, we decided, right, we wanted a blender. We talked about this before and we had a, we had a good need for it. We had a good use case. Uh, it was part of our lifestyle and the farm share and the things we were buying at the time. Uh, it was just going to improve our lives overall. So what is the right blender, right? So we research, you know, what are the good blenders out there? What is the most effective one? Not what is the most expensive one? That's usually not the right answer. And the cheapest one also is usually not the right answer. Somewhere in this mix of all these different products in the middle there, there is a right answer. However, if you want a potato peeler, then the cheapest one is the right answer (laughs) because it's like the good old like metal one. (laughs) So like, don't get the stupid $20 from Bath and Body Works, get the like five cent one that they ship over, you know, from China or whatever, because it's great. And like the egg slicer we have, like it was two cents and it's exactly what I wanted. So like sometimes it is the cheapest thing. Sometimes you don't like potato peeler. They've been around for so many years. They got it right a long time ago. We don't have to like try to evolve the potato peeling process. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, so sometimes the answer, the cheapest one is the right answer. And maybe sometimes the most expensive one is the right answer. But yeah, that's one that one's a lot more rare. And I think the big thing and I think we're actually going to do a new episode about this soon relating to cell phones. But with cell phones, like, don't feel like you need all of these things because everyone's telling you like, oh, but this phone has a better graphics card. Check in with yourself. Like, do I need the better graphics card? Right. And a lot of the times, right, I'm not using those features. So those features are irrelevant to me. So therefore, I don't need to pay for that. Stuff, right. Right. And that's true of blenders. Right. Like I don't need it to be able to like self wash itself or spin like a million miles an hour and turn it into soup if it needs to, because I don't have a use case for that. Right. right? And I think laptops are another really great use case there. Like we just bought a new one for me. And it has everything I need it to do without having all this extra stuff that I don't actually use or need in my daily usage. Yeah. And so, yeah, a lot of the times the most popular item on the market is just way more expensive because it's the most popular item on the market. So you have to just, you know, really dig in and find, you know, what is that gem 
hiding behind everything else that like is just as good or better than like what everybody says is amazing. And and the benefit of doing all of this is by the time you're researching this, it takes time. So you can't buy things as frequently when everything you buy takes like two weeks to research, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. So there's no impulse. It completely eliminates impulse buying from the scenario. Yeah, right. By the time you're like ready to pull the trigger, you have to ask yourself, did I really need this? Right. And and usually the for us, the answer is still yes, because I don't invest that kind of time unless we're like really sure we need it. Yeah. All right. So then the next one, number five, kill your debt. Now, I don't mean all debt, but I mean credit card debt or consumer debt. Do not have a, if you have a credit card balance, you have been living outside of your means and you can't afford half the stuff you have. So get rid of it. Maybe you have to sell things. Maybe you have to, you know. And obviously there's situations that come up where people get into debt due to unforeseen circumstances. But the average person that has credit card debt, it's because you bought things that you sh- you didn't need and you should not have you couldn't afford, right? Right. So I mean that that's one of the key takeaways. That's why this is on this list is if you carry a credit card balance uh, or or if you're if from month to month and you're not paying off that credit card every month, do that right now. Pay that off and never pay another one cent of interest on a credit card ever again. Right? right. That, that will that will improve your life tenfold. Right? right. Like neither of us have ever paid any interest on any credit card. Just don't even think of that as an option. Right. It shouldn't it shouldn't even be a thing. Just use this credit card that just gives you points and status and uh, you know cash back or whatever it is. Take the advantages. And then don't give the credit card the satisfaction, the credit card company the satisfaction of taking your money away. Right. right. And like when you think about can I afford something, if you have $200 in your bank account and what you want costs $500 and you're like, oh, it's fine. I have a credit card. No, you can't actually afford it. Like only use your credit card as I'm going to get the points on the $500, but you better have $500 in your bank account to pay it off immediately. And if you don't, then you don't get to buy that. Yep. So... Alright. So number six, we've talked about this one a lot too. Cars are one of the biggest expenses that most households have and many people don't even realize it. Right. The the breakdown and the expenses of cars are treated in such a long duration that people just ignore the fact that that is is part of the equation. Right. Right. You just like have a purchase price for a car and then that's it. Right. You don't worry about the maintenance. You don't worry about the gas fees. You don't worry about uh, changing the tires and like all these other one of expenses. my absolute biggest pet peeves is when I talk to somebody and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we're going on a road trip this week. And and it's great because, you know, it's only going to be this amount in gas. And that's look how cheap it is for me to get to this location. And I'm like, but gas is like the least of your concerns. Like when you're driving somewhere, right? Right. Like your per mile expense is based on so much more than just gas. So I think having a really good understanding of how much cars are actually costing you and buying cheaper cars in general, which I know we're doing like the opposite trend of that. Like SUVs are, sales are skyrocketing right now. In the US. In the US. But if people could switch to buying, you know, subcompact cars again or compact cars and cut their like purchase price you know, in a third, that would be insane for the effect that that would have on your pocketbook. Yeah. So it's, you go on a road trip, it's not just gas. It's all the, the mileage uh, equation, right? There's, and there's a different number for each vehicle, depending on the car, make and model. And it'll tell you like, this is how much you're actually spending on 
the breakdown of your vehicle. Right. And so you'll, right, eventually you're going to need to pay for a whole new car again. So therefore, right, what is that expense before? Like how much, how much are you using your car before like it is no longer usable and you have to like pony up for a whole new ride again. Right. Right. So factor all that in and don't, don't be surprised when you're like, oops, oh, my car is not working anymore. And now I need to spend $20,000 on a brand new car so, or buy a used so car. So Brett, would you recommend then that people maybe just get a leased vehicle because then that way you know it's always a new car that they're driving for a a flat monthly rate i mean that's from a maintenance perspective that's a lot easier on you personally but you are paying through the nose for that (laughs) okay yeah that (laughs) what i wanted from that is no you should not lease a car in very few circumstances which i can't even think of off the top of my head do you come out ahead by leasing a car Right. They're they're getting all the money for that and you're getting basically nothing at the end of the day. They wouldn't right. lease the car to you if they weren't making a crap ton of money right. off of it. I mean it's it's like Apple's model, right? They would do anything to like create an environment where they just like lease you an iPhone because that's how they could maximize their profits. Right. And people do it and people think they're getting a good deal, but spoiler, you're not. And that's what this podcast was designed for is to like wake you up. <laughs> like you are not getting a good deal by being put on a payment plan or you know, right. leasing a car. Like what I recommend to people is buy the cheapest car that fits your needs. Don't be afraid of used cars. You can get really great cars for like five to $7,000 that have a lot of life left into them. And that is what most people should be in. But right. most people are buying $40,000 vehicles. And if you take that $30,000 difference or $35,000 difference and invest it that that is insane what that can do for you right right taking taking that money you know off the table like the dealership owns that money they're turning that into interest you should be taking that 20,000 or 30,000 dollars and turning that into your own interest right right because over time over 50 years that turns into a crap ton of money right right that you should have had otherwise so yeah like half a million dollars yeah and it's it, same thing with like a, a mortgage too so that is that the next item is buy versus rent uh, we can make it the next item. So <laughs> number seven, we will say is buy versus rent. Um, so yeah, along a similar line, you know, a lot of people think that, and we did a whole episode about this, which if you're more interested, I urge you to check it out. But a lot of people right now think I need to buy a home because it's a good investment and it builds wealth. Houses have their place. They're not a good investment, but they are an inflation protective protected vehicle. So what I mean by that is, like you lock in a monthly rate and you have that for 30 years at a low interest rate, right? So you're protect you are Hopefully protected against rate. but um being inflation protected means you're against, you know, rents skyrocketing over that same duration. So if you look at, you know, California is a good use case. If you bought there 20 years ago, you still have a fixed low monthly payment while rents around you have probably quadrupled in price. Yep. Right. So there there is a place, but the benefit there is when you are buying somewhere that you are going to live for a very long time. We were talking decades. So a lot of young people, you're still early on in your career. You're still trying to figure it out and you're still thinking you might move around. Well, if you're going to move around, then you should not be purchasing a home. And what I really recommend for most people is run the rent versus buy calculator. So for us, where we live in our area, it is so much cheaper to b- own our own home than to rent. Right. The Midwest is just notorious for that. The, the, ho- the ho- price to buy a house is so low here. Right. And the rental prices are 
competitive everywhere. So, But if you switch and you look at Manhattan, for example, where it might cost you three grand to rent a place that you would want to rent, but it would cost you three million to buy a place, you're still better off renting because <laughs> your your monthly payment on the three million dollars is going to be so much higher. Yep. So, and, and there's so many places like that right now, these super high cost of living areas where landlords are not making a lot of money because they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm just, I can't, like, I can't raise rents. Nobody would rent there. So I'll just like get just enough to cover my mortgage. Well, that's a great thing for you to capitalize on as a tenant then, because they're, they're still responsible for all the expenses. Right. Yeah. You get low overhead. It's, it's the monthly payments. But you're you're not sacrificing that huge amount of money up front, right? Or or you know over time building equity in the house where you could be putting that same amount of money that would have been a down payment uh, in the bank and having that create compound interest for you, and then maybe that maybe you're better off in that scenario than you would be. Well, and I think that's something to put into perspective. So let's say you have a million dollar property. Just think about the fact that if you had that in an interest-bearing mutual fund, it could be earning you $70,000 a year. So essentially, opportunity costs, you are giving up $70,000 a year to have that much equity tied up. And I think nobody really thinks of it that way. So, um, you know, just another point there. Really, you know, do your research and make sure you're making the right decision. So going on to number eight, um, don't inflate your lifestyle. Yep, I think keeping things simple, keeping things small scale, not feeling entitled to like have like really nice brand new stuff or a new car every year or this big huge house, right, that, you know, has, you know, eight bedrooms in it or whatever and a big foyer and all that stuff, right? I mean, we've we've downsized our houses over the years as we've gone into them and like lived in them and said, we don't even use four rooms of this house, right? And so we, you know, ended up switching to a smaller house and it was more effective, but had better insulation. It was just a better quality house in general, right? So quality over quantity for a lot of this stuff. And, you know, I think another big thing there is another one of my pet peeves is when people get a bonus check or they get a raise and then they immediately think, okay, I'm going to go get a new car or I'm going to go get, you know, whatever. Well, do you really need to do that? Is it making you happier to do that? And if it is, if that's your priority, then go for it. But I think instead, if you can think of a bonus as truly like a bonus and not what you plan your lifestyle around, then you can start banking that and save up for something bigger, like the delayed gratification I mentioned earlier. Right. So just, yeah, don't don't feel entitled. You don't need as much stuff as you think, as, as society says that you, you know, should have. Yeah. Stuff like that. Because the people telling you that you need more stuff are the people that are making money off of you having more stuff. Right. Right. And in fact, as we've gotten rid of stuff, we've been happier. Right. And it's a long, long journey to get that. I mean, we are, we just had like a big garage sale a couple of weeks ago. And it's just, it just makes you see like, oh, yeah, I remember buying all of this stuff and now it's just crap. Right. It was right. Like so important to me to have like this you know, fondue pot at the time, but I was like, this is just totally worthless, uh, you know. Crap now. that literally, like, nobody else even wanted. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I think that was actually the best lesson for us is, like, yeah, this stuff is, like, so not useful that we can't even barely give it away. Yeah. Like, <laughs> all right, so, well, kind of along the same lines, number nine, don't listen to people who suck with money. Um, so what I mean by that is if you're trying to get advice from you know, a mortgage broker or 
a, a loan officer and, you know, you're trying to get approved for a personal loan so you can go buy whatever or you want to get a boat, the, per- the, the salesperson probably isn't good with money either. That's not their job, right? They're not a financial advisor. They're not a financial planner. Their entire job is to get you approved for the maximum amount. When you go into a car dealership, their job is not to sit there and be like, well, what monthly payment would be most, you know, would be easy for you to afford? Their job is to figure out what that maximum number is. So don't listen to them. Don't take your advice from them. Go in, like we mentioned, you know, in number three, with with a plan, have a plan for this is how much I want to spend and set your own limit. So I think our best use case there is when we were buying our first house, I came to you with a budget and I said, this is the top monthly payment I want to have. And we got approved for double that amount. Right. We've worked with really bad mortgage officers. We've worked with really bad bank tellers, right? We've worked with really bad, um, you know, even some bad personal finance people that like didn't really know what they were talking about and just had like a self-help session that they paid like $2,000 to go to about like start, you know, starting to be a personal financial advisor, but they didn't really understand anything about their market or right. they're just relaying information that they heard at a conference. So, I mean, just know who you're, who you're talking to find skilled, talented people to, to work with, right. That are really good at what they do and know their market and practice what they preach in their personal life. Because we've also worked with very good mortgage brokers and very good realtors. And I think the important thing is don't feel like you can only go to one place and have to settle. You can go into multiple places and have, you know, hour long conversations. They should not charge you for that initial consulting meeting where you can just figure out if you're a good fit to work together going forward. Right. And insurance too, right? We've worked with really bad insurance companies. I, I think like some of our family members have really bad insurance coverage. A lot of our friends have really poor insurance coverage and we've bounced around to three different places now. And every time we, you know, switched from one to the next, like we just get better and better and find better people and right. Like, like the people we work with a lot more because they know what they're talking about. Right. Right. And you know, we are people who like to do our own research independently and then come by the time we come to the table, we're like, this is what we want. So we like working with people who are very educated about the topics too, so that they're not like overwhelmed when we do that. Right. Right. It makes them, cause you always want to work with a pro, right? Right. Whether you're what, whichever side of the table you're on, you want to be working with a pro and you want to try and be as pro as you can. Right. It just makes the conversation, just makes the conversation just go better, faster, right? If you're doing real estate stuff, like the the guys that are really good at what they do don't want to work with novices that don't know what they're doing and have never done stuff before, right? They want to work with people that are like effective at working. Right. Yeah. All right. So number 10, um, track expenses and ultimately pay yourself first. So this point was really put on because we wanted something in the budget realm. And our best advice is not necessarily to have this fixed crazy budget that you feel like is super restrictive, but instead to check in every month even and see like, where did my money go this month? And is that in line with my core values and my goals? Right. Or even at the most base concept, just like on a regular basis, being able to look and see like, where, what am I spending my money on? Right. What, what does it go to? And like, what are the categories? Like I spent $500 in shopping this year, right? Or this, this month, like, what is that stuff? Do I even remember what I bought? Right. Right. Stuff like that. Just, just kind of setting a baseline for yourself of, of 
of understanding where where your money is going where you know what is it coming into and then more importantly where where are those expenses going to right and if you spent five hundred dollars on shopping did it add you know 50 50 cheeseburgers of happiness <laughs> to your life right you know I mean, right. those are the important questions um but the other half of this one is also pay yourself first and what i mean by that is you know we've always set up direct deposit and almost even when i had you know a job at a restaurant when i was younger they they were able to do direct deposit and i've always had you know at at a minimum a savings account and a checking account and even when i was younger i made sure that i put a good chunk of my paycheck into my savings and then i could only spend what was in my checking account right and, and then we've kind of amplified that out over the years where it's not just as cut as dry as one savings account one checking account we have 401k's and you know all sorts of different savings vehicles but we fill those up first and then whatever we have in our checking account is what we can spend. Yep. Yeah, we just live off that model. We, you know, we're not allowed to transfer from one account to the other. You just have what's in the checking and you get to live with what's in the checking. Right. And and we, you know, maybe in the situation of if we are going on a vacation, then we saved for that in a savings account. So we transfer it over. But it's very intentional. It's not, oh, I'm going to overdraft so I need to transfer some over. Like, no, if we're going to overdraft, then we have to, like, survive until payday again. Right. Or, oh, well, now I just have $10,000 in my in my savings account. So I'm just going to go to Jamaica for, you know, the weekend or whatever. That if you have $10,000 in your savings account and you don't know what to do with that money, then you need to make a plan, right? Right. <laughs> you need to go back and, like, have a plan with what you're going to do with that money and how you're going to spend it effectively and do you need more before you can do that. And you should have had a plan before you even got to that amount to say, like, what am I saving for? Right. Right. So, well, I, those are our top ten. So should I run through the whole list one more time for yep. a refresher? Just- so number one, compound interest. Number two, opportunity cost. Number three, stick to the plan. Number four, don't fall for marketing. Number five, kill your consumer debt. Number six, cars are more expensive than you think. Number seven, don't inflate your lifestyle. Number eight, run a rent versus buy comparison. Number nine, don't listen to people who suck with money. And number 10, pay yourself first. So if you take away 10 things from the last 50 episodes, that's what we think are the top 10. Yep. But we are excited to have a lot more things for you to think about and percolate on and you know for the people who started listening early on and have stuck with us for our you know over a year at this point now like thank you so much we feel really honored that you have found valuable content this entire time um you know there's like four people i'm thinking of specifically that have emailed me back and forth for literally the past year and thank you so much for being like some of our first listeners and hanging on and we are excited to see who finds us in the future right and we're really appreciative of our global audience as well like we didn't expect you know we talk a lot about u.s taxes and regulations and how the housing market is here but you know we, we've we've gotten feedback and uh you know some analytics into like understanding that people from many other countries around the world are listening as well so uh, thank you guys very much and if if you have any questions and want to hear more about international things or things in your country we'll be happy to look into those as well um yeah, that's, that's definitely coming soon as uh, more, you know, international finances. So hopefully our U.S. listeners will just find that very interesting as well. 
All right. How are things done in other locations? Right. Uh, you know, expand your horizons and understand that, you know, the U.S. isn't the end all be all like best scenario at everything that we do. There's we've traveled around for quite a bit for the last, uh, you know, eight years. And there's a lot of really other good systems that people have in place and right. uh, especially like credit card processing in other countries is like hands down better than and what we public do transportation yeah <laughs> all right well thank you so much guys we've really enjoyed this past year and we're excited for the next one hey guys thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of money in the bank make sure to subscribe to us on the itunes or stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the bank.